passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. This episode, episode 189, for the love of the game, on the Believe Podcast Network is brought to you by Bet Online. Basketball's in the thick of it. NFL's in the thick of it. We got playoffs just around the corner. Big shout out to the Giants for a giant win. We've got college football playoff and all the bowl games coming up. NHL's in the thick of it. And you can bet on all those sports and more. Place your bets at Bet Online. You'll always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at Bet Online. Bet Online continues to be your number one sports for your sports wagering information, live betting, free contests, and giveaways all season long. Head to betonline.ag and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Use promo code BLEAVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to get 50% on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts with that said. Episode 189, a joyous episode. For the love of the game, let's get this work. Truly, it is Aaron Tobin Hess, ATH, back in the saddle, back behind the mic, episode 189 for the love of the game. And your boy had quite a Sunday, quite a Sunday for your boy. Sports was good to your boy yesterday. The Giants win a huge game, 20-12 to on Sunday Night Football. The New York Knicks have now won seven straight games, which is shocking. We'll get to them in a second. And the New York Rangers, which we're going to talk about extensively tonight with a recurring guest, somebody who I haven't had on in a while, but was excited to get him back on to talk the Rangers. We're going to talk about their current seven-game winning streak and their season so far. But let's start with the football and the New York Giants. 20-12 to winners in Washington. An enormous game for the Giants' chances. couple of big things here, all right? Daniel Jones, the stats may not have been huge. They may have only scored 
two offensive touchdowns? Not even. They only scored one offensive touchdown. What am I saying? They only scored one offensive touchdown. But Daniel Jones, don't let the stats fool you. He made a couple of big-time throws. Fit throws into tight windows when they needed him most. None bigger than there was a fourth and nine on the plus side of the field, but fourth and nine nonetheless. And in the moment, it could have been either a long field goal or a punt. I was shocked that Brian Dable went for it. I was shocked that he trusted Daniel Jones to get it, but he did. Comes up with a big-time throw in traffic. Daniel Jones played a really nice game for the Giants on Sunday night football against the Commanders. The stats, again, won't wow you, but he still played a nice game. Saquon Barkley started off slow. Enough body blows to the defense. Holes start to crack open when they needed him most to salt the game away down the stretch. Big run after big run. 10, 11 yards, spin moves. He was used in the passing game well. He showed you... Last night, and he hadn't been great recently. He'd been banged up. He had the neck thing. You know, there were, there were some issues. But he showed you when he's right, he's the best running back in football. I've said this for a while now. When he's right, he's the best running back in football. And he showed you glimpses of that last night. Probably the biggest story, though, for the Giants, and we'll get to the referees in a second because they definitely had a hand in this. Kayvon Thibodeau, number five overall pick, was an absolute monster last night. An absolute monster. By far the best game he had played as a pro. Now, he had had good pressure stats, but as I mentioned in episode 188 with Ari Pelkovitz, by the way, which was a great episode where we previewed a lot of what needed to happen for the Giants to win, and they won the game. So kudos to us for being on the ball there. But I mentioned that Kayvon Thibodeau needed a finish. He needed to finish the play. He had to put the quarterback on the ground. Whether it was the game of Thanksgiving against Dallas where he was close to getting Dak, but no cigar. The pressures are nice. That type of stuff wasn't going to be good enough for them to win the game in Washington. And what do you know? He was an absolute monster. Obviously highlighted the strip sack, fumble recovery, touchdown. Just an enormous play. An enormous play where it looked like you know, the Giants were doing the bend but don't break thing, but they were giving up chunk plays. He was an absolute beast. And it was the first time, it was the first time that I didn't think to myself as a Giants fan, woe is me, the Giants could have had Micah Parsons. Sensational, absolutely sensational game from Kayvon Thibodeau. And the referees, as I just mentioned not that long ago. The Giants got bailed out. They got bailed out on the weird Terry McLaurin illegal formation. Looked like he got the thumbs up from the referee, but they called him for it anyway, not being on the line. That was strange, negated a touchdown. And yes, the last play was pass interference. It was pass interference. Am I going to apologize for getting a break from the referees? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. That's the name of the game, folks. You win some, you lose some. I've been on the other end of brutal losses that way. I mean, the Giants lost a playoff game to the 49ers. It was years ago, really long time ago. I'm forgetting exactly what year it was. But basically, they were kicking a field goal, botch snap, holder rolls out, going to throw a pass. There was blatant PI, not called. 
Game's over. Giants blew a huge game to the 49ers after Michael Strahan trash-talked Terrell Owens, and Terrell Owens got the last laugh when he was talking about look at the scoreboard, came back to beat the Giants in the playoffs. So I'm not going to apologize for any of that, all right? That's the name of the game of sports. It happens. This was an enormous win for the Giants. Their probability of making the playoffs went up exponentially. It's like 90% now. They've got the tiebreaker against the Commanders. They're two games up on the loss column from the eighth place team, seventh and eighth place teams. And yeah, in a crazy year where I didn't see this coming, I thought the Giants were going to for sure win under seven and a half games. In a year where the quarterback's status, long-term status, was up in the air. In a year where Saquon Barkley, their prize pick, number two overall, which was questioned by a lot of people with some validity to it, he was coming up for a contract. Things look a little bit clearer for the Giants now. It looks like Barkley, they're going to bring back on the franchise tag. That's probably going to happen. And Daniel Jones is going to get at least a two-year deal and going to be able to see if he's really, really something and go into the offseason surrounding Daniel Jones with better receiving weapons. Are the Giants going to make a Super Bowl run? No, they're not going to make a Super Bowl run. All right, let's be real here. But it's nice to see them show a little cojones and win a game on the road where they haven't done that in six years. They're relevant for the first time in six years, six, seven years. That's pretty good. Pretty good spot to be in as a fan. So kudos to the New York Giants. As for the New York Jets, not as pretty for the Jets. Took a loss at home, three-point loss to the Detroit Lions, the surging Detroit Lions, by the way. Start out one and six. They're now seven and seven. They've won six straight games. A lot is going to be made about the quarterback. You know, Mike White lobbied to play. Ten different doctors apparently told him he couldn't play because of his rib situation. Zach Wilson, the much maligned, somewhat disgraced quarterback, suits up for the Jets. And it wasn't pretty. The footwork in the pocket is bad. The accuracy is bad. He made one terrible decision, resulted in an interception. Lions got points out of it. But ultimately, Zach Wilson wasn't 100% the problem. I mean, he led them down the field to take a four-point lead with about two and a half minutes left. And the vaunted Jets defense, and it's been excellent this year, gave up a giant screen pass to a backup tight end going for six. Extra point, three-point game. Zach Wilson makes the great throw on fourth and 18 to Elijah Moore to at least give them the chance to kick a 58-yard field goal, but that 50-yard field goal was no good. The story here was the defense giving up the big play to a backup tight end, but also Robert Sala did not have a good day, specifically in the timeout department. He left one in his pocket, which came back to bite him in the ass because they were running out of time. He didn't use them properly. I mean, the clock management in the fourth quarter for the Jets was, was malpractice, absolute malpractice. So the Jets now fall out of the playoffs. If it started today, they're 7-7. Seven and seven. There's a good chance the Jets don't win another game the rest of the year. I feel very confident in saying that. 
for a team that's got a lot of talent. They still have questions at quarterback. The long-term trajectory for the Jets is good, but it's just not this year. It's not going to be this year. I I think they're going to fall short of the playoffs. A couple of things around the NFL. The Minnesota Vikings. A team that has 11 wins has a plus two point differential. And it looked like it was going to be a disaster for the Vikings. They come out and get absolutely smacked in the first half. Smacked. They're down 33-0. And then in the second half against Matt Ryan, of all people, who's like best known for blowing big leads, Jeff Saturday, who made a couple of questionable decisions in the fourth quarter, you know, for a guy who is a little bit of a novice at coaching. I mean, well, it showed on this past Saturday. The Vikings cap off the largest comeback in NFL history and win the game. I don't trust this Vikings team at all. I don't think they're particularly good. I actually think the Giants are going to beat them this coming weekend on Saturday. We'll get to them in picks against the spread. But there's something about a team that even when it looks gross, they have the stones to come back and win. There's a skill in this league, I know this is going to sound super cliche, to finding ways to win. And the Minnesota Vikings, with Kirk Cousins as their quarterback, point differential, nonsense, all that, are finding ways to win. Sometimes a team just has a little pixie dust. Again, I'm not a believer in the Vikings as a Super Bowl team, but it's crazy how they found ways to win. Kudos to them for an awesome comeback. They clinched the division. The San Francisco 49ers laid it on the Seattle Seahawks in Seattle Thursday night. That game wasn't as close as the final score indicated, 21-13. The Niners were in control of that game the entire time. Brock Purdy still playing well. Christian McCaffrey has been a seamless addition to the Niners. And the Niners defense is really frightening, really frightening. I think all things considered, the Niners... As good as the Eagles have looked, they didn't look great Sunday, whatever. They got it done against the Bears. I think the Niners are the best team in the NFC, even with Mr. Irrelevant Brock Purdy leading the way. Just good stuff from them. So the New England Patriots, this made me smile. The New England Patriots, I'm not sure if everybody saw, basically became the New York Jets on Sunday, the Cleveland Browns on Sunday. That lateral play was outrageously awful. I mean, did they think that they were down one where they needed to do that? It has to be because that was probably the biggest boneheaded play at the end of a game to lose a game in NFL history. I mean, my jaw was on the floor, and I was somebody who backed the Raiders plus one, which was very nice, very, very nice for your boy. But, yeah, I mean, the New England Patriots, what the hell was that? This Patriots team, they kind of stink. I think they're going to lose out too, and they're going to win under eight and a half games. I think I'm going to be right on that futures bet. And last but not least, the Jacksonville Jaguars and Trevor Lawrence. Big comeback win against the Dallas Cowboys. Like to see that. I never like seeing Dallas win. It was an up and down roller coaster of a game. I mean, Jacksonville got down early, got down 17 points. Trevor Lawrence, who's been 
top five in every statistical category since week nine. He's been incredible. He looks like he's becoming the guy we all thought he was going to be. And then some, he, in a tie game, no, I'm sorry, they were down three. He makes an incredible play to get out of a sack, running for a first down, tries to do a little bit too much, coughs up the football with about two minutes left or a little under two minutes left. And the Jaguars force three and out. They end up getting the ball back, kick a field goal at the end of regulation, and get a pick six, deflected pick six, and overtime was beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. We were on the Jaguars plus four and a half. Love seeing the Dallas Cowboys lose. All right, so I mentioned it. Picks against the spread. After a 0 for 5 week, I was back to my winning ways. 4-1 and this weekend, so we feel good about that. We are now 37-37-2. and Exactly 500, as average as it can be. After taking an 0 for 5, it feels good to be back, though. So we're going to kick things off with the New York Giants. Plus three at Minnesota. Minnesota doesn't really blow anybody out. I don't think Minnesota's that good. I think their luck has to come to an end at some point soon. I mean, I don't think they're a team that's good enough to win 14 games in a season. So I think the Giants get them this Saturday because they don't want to go head-to-head against the NBA on Christmas Day completely. They still have three games, but whatever. Weird schedule this year with Christmas falling out on a Sunday. I like the Giants plus three in Minnesota. I don't normally pick Thursday games, but I've got the Jaguars at a pick them heads up against the Jets. I think the Jaguars are trending up. I think the Jets with Zach Wilson are not excellent. I don't think Mike White's going to be ready to play. So I've got the Jaguars picking up where they left off on Sunday in a pick em. Got the Lions minus two and a half against the Carolina Panthers in Carolina. I just think the Lions are better. I flat out think the Lions are better. I think the Lions are really good. I think they may be the fifth or sixth best team in the NFC. They're balling right now. They're really balling. Jared Goff has had a really good year, and I don't think Carolina is very good. I think Carolina had a chance to build a little momentum. I think that stopped on Sunday with their loss against the Steelers. So I got the Lions riding the hot hand minus two and a half. Four, I've got Seattle plus nine and a half against Kansas City. Do I think they're going to win the game? No, but Kansas City can't seem to blow anybody out. Nine and a half points is a lot of points. I'm going to take the points there, even if it's in Kansas City. And last but not least, and I hate doing this, I am going to take the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who are incredibly frustrating, and they've been pitiful. I'm going to take them minus six against Arizona because it's Trace McSorley playing against Tom Brady. If Tampa Bay can't take care of business this week, then you might as well put a fork in them, even though they're going to win the NFC South by default. Again, so this week's picks, we've got Giants plus three, Jags at a pick them, Lions minus two and a half, Seattle plus nine and a half, Tampa minus six. That's this week's picks against the spread. Lines brought to you by betonline.ag, the presenting sponsor of this wonderful podcast. Last but not least, I mentioned it at the top, the New York Knicks are on a seven-game winning streak. I've been a major skeptic on this Knicks season. I still am a skeptic on this Knicks season, but seven straight wins is is incredible. It doesn't matter who you play, seven straight wins 
is really, really impressive. And I know I have poo-pooed the Knicks wins this year. I still don't think they have very many impressive wins where basically they're playing a team at full strength, a good team at full strength. They haven't won a lot of those games, if any. But on a Sunday game where they kind of came out flat after winning six straight games, for them not to completely roll over on the road, come back to win late in the fourth quarter, that shows to me some fight and some testicular fortitude that I wasn't 100% sure that the Knicks had. Because about two and a half weeks ago, it looked like things were going to spiral out of control, which I thought was going to happen. thought Tom Thibodeau was going to lose his job. I honestly wanted that to happen. But you know what? you got to give credit where credit's due. Seven straight wins is nothing to sneeze at. And this past win against Indiana, where they easily could have rolled over and didn't, is very impressive. R.J. Barrett seemed to be finding his footing. Julius Randle's played well. Obi Toppin's absence is a little glaring, but it, it may have freed up Julius Randle's mind a little bit. We'll see what happens there. Jalen Brunson's been as steady as ever. He's played well. Do I think that there's much of a ceiling for this team? No. I think the team's blah. I largely don't love the direction of the franchise. But they're playing their asses off. They're playing well, and they deserve kudos for that. All right. Now that's out of the way, we're going to bring on a recurring guest, as I mentioned before. We're going to talk some Rangers, another New York team that's on a seven-game winning streak. We're going to talk to him in just a matter of moments. So as I mentioned in the monologue, I've been slacking on my Rangers coverage so far this season, and I am honored to have a recurring guest now, recurring guest, a very special recurring guest. The guy's a very busy guy, trying to track this guy down for must be two to three weeks now. He's everywhere. Believe Podcast Network, Action Network, a little Bleach Report, none other than Johnny Lazarus. I think he's the best in the business when it comes to Rangers talk, especially on Twitter. Johnny, what's good, bro? How you doing? What's going on, Aaron? Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. And, uh, you know, I appreciate the kind introduction. Thank you for that. Before we get started, I just want to make sure, because you and I are both from Long Island. I mm -hmm. know you moved to Brooklyn. I'm just a little nervous about you that you're going to get Brooklyn yuppie and hipsterish. Because oh, we, it's happening. It's happening. Oh, my goodness. We, we can't have this. We can't mm -hmm. have this. Everyone said it would happen, and it's been about three months since I've been here. And, yeah, my style is, has completely changed. And, oh. uh, you know, I've, I've told myself that I wouldn't concede, but... It's kind of hard not to. I think everyone, everyone in here, like you know, everyone not in here, but uh, around Brooklyn, like you know, kind of has a not specific style, but you can kind of almost like pull anything off, and uh, you know, that's kind of the vibe I'm going for now. So, uh, yeah, my style has definitely changed a little bit. A lot of a lot of flannel and a lot of uh, oh yeah corduroys now. So oh, oh yeah, my God, just just don't justify paying eight dollars for a cup of coffee, saying that it's like the greatest coffee in the world. Yeah, no, I uh, I try to avoid the $8 coffees. My roommates make coffee every morning, so I just kind of mooch off them, which is nice. But um, it, it is difficult, too, because I actually, I mean, I know we're not going to talk about clothes, but I live right next door to a Faraday, and I never heard of Faraday until, like, probably three months ago, and I'm obsessed with that. I mean, it's so expensive, but I'm obsessed with that store now. Like, whenever, uh, you know, a paycheck or a good gambling week happens, I usually walk into Faraday and, and treat myself. There you go. Sometimes retail yeah. therapy helps. I uh, can't, mm -hmm. uh, can't hate on that. So when I reached out a couple of weeks ago, the <laughs> tenor of the conversation changed. 
I believe it was after the Devils game, I think. The Devils, they were up 2-0 early in the first, and then they just got absolutely blown off the ice afterwards. And it looked like we were in a little bit of a slide. I think I tweeted you, I was like, is it time to panic? And you said, maybe. <laughs> which which was fair at the time. They were scuffling. Uh-huh. They were playing very inconsistent hockey. And right now they're riding a seven-game winning streak. So it just shows you how much could change. So I, my first question is to you, what's been the biggest difference? Well, I, I it's it's so hard to answer because I don't know if, like, the actual play itself has changed. It's really just the result. Like, if if anything, they're almost playing worse than they were when they were losing. Like, they were still out playing teams. They just weren't finding ways to score. Now pucks are going in, but it's not like they're playing a much better game. You know, like, Igor has been much better than he was to start the year, which is a huge part of the success. But the Rangers as a whole, it's not like the power play is buzzing and, and the offense is buzzing. It's just like pucks are just finally going in, which we all knew would happen. And that was kind of the reason why I wasn't ready to hit the panic button early on was because everything looked promising. Like Capo Caco was getting scoring chances. Like, you know, Trocek was getting chances. Everyone was playing well. The pucks just weren't going in. And when that happens, sometimes you kind of play the game waiting for something to go wrong, where obviously we saw them blow a couple leads against teams like the Devils and um, and other games that I'm kind of just blanking on right now off the top of my head. But, you know, in this case, the last seven games have been a little bit of a result of last year where, hey, maybe they're not dominating and not the better team in every game, but Igor is keeping them in every single time he makes a big save and they're able to get momentum off of that, find a spark and come back. Like last year, you know, I think they had 27 come from behind wins, which was a franchise record. So, you know, they've had a couple come from behind wins to start off this win streak. They, that game against the Devils where they scored two goals in seven seconds and won in overtime. I mean, you know, it's kind of that resilient group that we saw last year. So, you know, as far as the actual like game to game play goes, you know, aside from the the game they are not against the Blackhawks where they just like totally smacked them seven to one. It hasn't been that much of a difference. It's really just Igor making saves in a timely manner and pucks just finding the back of the net where they weren't earlier on. And it's also nice that they finally were winning games in overtime. Like early yes. in the year, they would get to overtime, they'd lose. It'd be mm. incredibly frustrating. Obviously, you pick up a point, so it's not the worst thing in the world, but it, it's nice to have finally gotten those you know, wins. I mean, especially against the Avalanche. Obviously, the Avalanche haven't been super sharp to start the year, but they're still the defending champs and probably mm. you know one of the four or five best teams in the league when all said and done and you know against the devils getting an overtime win like like these are big games when when you sort of i don't want to say put yourself in a hole but like it's nice to finally be on the right side of things Mm -hmm. and to your point too though like the devils game they didn't really have much much possession in overtime like you know they come down on one rush panarin finds hito and hito just lets a good shot rip and you know it kind of blinds the fact they weren't really that sharp in overtime you know so there, there is still a lot to to fix about this team. Like, it's not perfect, but, you know, the kids are buzzing, which is great, which is what every fan and every coach, every part of this organization wants, and it's very promising. But, listen, am, am I ready to say by any means that the Rangers are a contender right now? I, you know, I, I want to say yes because with Shesterkin on at the top of this game, anything can happen. But, like, I don't look at this team and think, like, oh, they're a top-five team in the league. Like, it's just I'm not ready to say that. How nervous were you um, earlier on with Igor? Started off slow, obviously, you know, award-winning goalie from last year. Mm. Guy 
basically stood on his head and carried the team. And, and you know, they, they take their P's and Q's from him. So when he starts off slow, like how nervous were you that, you know, he wasn't going to find his footing fast enough because this team does have major aspirations, especially yeah. after going to the conference finals last year. I thought he would find a way to pick it up. I mean, I, I, I didn't think he would have as poor of a start as he did. But I, I would never guess that it would last all year long. I mean, it's it's really tough to see a goalie like as talented as him, you know, struggle for an entire season. I mean, that really that really happens. So, um, you know, listen, he's he's probably still going to have his off nights. Like he's not going to be perfect throughout the rest of the season. I think it's just you know really hard to have that expectation. But you know, the standard for him was set because of how he played last year. Like, and right. you know, to that point, it's like almost ridiculous to think that a a player can maintain that for you know multiple seasons. So. Um, you know, he's obviously been incredible. I think he's won now what like six starts in a row. Um, maybe, maybe even seven. I'm not I'm not positive. I know Halak won the last game, but um yeah, no, I, I think it's 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 great. And you know, it's it's amazing that they were able to turn it around on on his shoulders. But then again, like, you know, we're talking about December. If he struggles again come March, April, it's gonna be a different story. So like you want to get hot at the right time, but then again, obviously happy that we're winning. What's crazy is even though the stats aren't there with him, or at least weren't there to start, mm -hmm. their record with him and Net was still pretty good. It was oh, yeah. just they could not win a game with Halak starting, which was nice to see him get a win against the Blackhawks in a in a laugher. But it, it's just even as as struggling as he was, like they were still winning games with him. It's just like mm -hmm. you would like to see Halak be able to get a couple of more wins. And Halak deserved better. I think there was a couple of games right. where, you know, Halak kind of shit the bed. Sorry if uh, lack of a better term. I don't know the cursing. Um, but there was like two or three games where, you know, one goal games, five minutes left to go, and and the Rangers just couldn't find a way to win. And, you know, the opponent just scored that late goal to beat Halak. But, like, listen, Halak's, what, two, six, and one, not great. Georgiev was pretty similar last year as the backup. Igor 16, four and four. Like I'm looking at the record and I'm just looking at Igor because, you know, come playoff time, it's going to be him in the net. And listen, I think the Ranger fans are now, you know, it's only been one year, but that's how New York sports fans work, right? Like what we got success. very spoiled last year. Exactly. So one year of success and you expect the world. So like, you know, I don't want to say we're at the point of the Maple Leafs fans where the regular season like doesn't really matter. And you just only care about uh playoff success. But, you know, to that same point, it's like, all right, the regular season, let's just get in. We know what this team can do once they're in the playoffs. Like, you know, last year, I think they finished second in the division and they had home ice, which is huge. But, um, you know, they, they were able to win a game seven on the road against Carolina. So, like, it really all depends. I think just with a team like this and a goalie like this, you just got to get into the playoffs and, and the regular season success doesn't matter all that much. Like, you know, the Panthers lighted up last year and then they get to the second round and get swept. So hockey's a weird sport where, you know, the regular season is – Obviously, it's important, but it's not like it's super telling. Um, well, I mean, we've seen the the L.A. Kings be an eight seed and win the whole yeah. thing. Yeah, you I know, mean, Jonathan that was, Quick has a has a hot two weeks, and then all of a sudden, you know that that's what it is. That run was unlike anything else. Um, you know, I think the Kings will only lost like one game on the road in that playoffs. Um, but yeah, that's you know, like I said, it's just about getting hot at the right time. You mentioned the kids. Obviously, the Rangers are, you know, very young team. Two in particular, and it's kind of like the inverse of what we saw last year. We have Alexi Lafreniere and Capo Caco, two top two picks, right? Last year, the fans were a little bit more frustrated with Caco. This year, it seems like the fans are a little bit more frustrated with Lafreniere. So 
in your in your estimation, what have you seen different from Kako this year from last year in terms of why he's been better and producing more? And are you nervous about Lafreniere and and what his development looks like? So to be honest, I'll start with Lafreniere, and I am a little bit nervous, um, just because for him it's so difficult with the players on the roster that play his position, which is Panarin and Kreider. That you know, I don't know if he's ever going to get that ice time that like a number one overall, number one overall pick would typically get. So that's why I'm a little worried about his development, just because it's really hard for him to beat out. Panarin, who's, you know, arguably like an MVP candidate every year. And then Chris Kreider, who scores 52 goals last year and is on pace for, you know, north of 30 again this year. So his development is, is a little concerning just because of the shape of the team. Whereas Kako, I think the Rangers, everyone knows like their right wing depth is not very deep. So he has the opportunity to play wherever he can as a right winger. And I think for him, just like, you know, coming to the season, he just looks way stronger and, and faster and more confident. Um, and, and things were going well for him early on, which kind of just like sets the tone for the season. And, you know, obviously last year, I think there was a little fire in his ass after he got scratched in game six of the Tampa series. And, you know, I don't want to necessarily say that sparked his offseason training because I didn't, you know, I don't know what he did in the offseason, but, you know, you whatever he, he wasn't did. posting tons of Instagram videos like of him in the gym. Exactly. Yeah. And he posted doing that. He posted one slap shot that was like over 100 miles per hour and everyone went, everyone went fucking nuts. So, uh, you know, I, I think it just for him, like, you know, it, it comes together at different times. Like he he's had that one extra year over Lafreniere where maybe, you know, next year Lafreniere comes in and is just one year faster, one year stronger. Like it really is just, you know, about having the game kind of slow down for you as you get older and faster and stronger. I mean, like it really is a, you know, a man's game and, and these guys come in as kids, you know, like they're the kid line for a reason. So, um, you know, in time, I think it's going to come together for Lafreniere. I just, it's just a matter of when, but his op, his, his, uh, you know, role is definitely a little more limited here than it would be somewhere else. So you're saying he's basically getting the OB top in treatment. Cause like Julius Randall's got the big contract ahead of him. He had that one monster mm. year. And then all of a sudden the coach trusts him and you know, you're just not getting the minutes. Yeah, it's honestly, it's, it's pretty similar. Um, you know, I, I actually, I, I would argue it's, it's kind of the same thing. Um, you know, obviously sports are different where like, you know, basketball, obviously like the best players out there for, you know, three fourths of the game where hockey, like, right. you know, Panarin's out there for 22 minutes a night, 23 minutes a night, which is really like, you know, a third of the game, which is kind of crazy. Like, you know, the best players don't have as big of an impact on hockey that they do in basketball, but like to that same, you know, point that you made it, it is very true with the, you know, the time, the, the playing time and, and stuff like that. And it's also who gets paired with and big shifts. He's not going to get those high leverage shifts that he necessarily would get somewhere else. So mm -hmm. just to segue into the, there's been a little chatter about Patrick Kane. Mm -hmm. I think it started a little bit last year. Patrick Kane, obviously the Blackhawks have struggled. The end of that era uh, is, is here and it looks like he's going to be on the trade block. Uh, the Rangers you know, are, are a team that's like a prime candidate for a consolidation trade. Would you go in on Patrick Kane? So as a hockey fan, yes, just because I love watching Patrick Kane. I think it'd be a treat to watch Kane Panarin play together again. Um, as far as what's best for this franchise, probably not. Um, I, I just don't think that it, it really depends who you give up. Um, you know, Kane obviously is a guy that anyone in the NHL, I think would want. He adds so much to your just, you know, dynamic goal scoring and 
um, you know, offensive production, I guess, as a whole. But the Rangers, man, I, I like they can score goals. I think for for them, they really need more depth to their defense. Um, you know, we kind of saw it last year against Tampa. Listen, it, it's really tough for me to answer because, like, I'm one of the fans that wants Kane to come because I I just think it'd be so fun and 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 like I like I'm a bigger hockey fan than I am a Rangers fan if that makes sense. Like, I just love watching good hockey. Like, obviously, if the Rangers win the Stanley Cup, it'd be the happiest day of my life. But like, you know, I, I'm I, I really just love the storylines and I, I love the NHL as a whole. So like, right. I think it'd be awesome to have Kane and Panarin in New York together. Like, who who wouldn't want that as a fan? Not even Ranger fans, but as a fan across the league, I think it'd be. So much fun to have that in New York. Um, but, you know, as a Rangers fan, the other side of me is like, this is just going to hurt them in the long run because they'll have Kane probably as a rental. And, you know, who's to say if he'll resign here next year and and what goes on in the future? Because well, you have to a- assume if they're going to pull the trigger that they have a under the table agreement that he's going to resign like that. I don't know. Be there. I don't know. Um, you, you would think, right? Like, right. It's just, you know, nothing like that is guaranteed. Like, you don't know who can go after Kane this summer and all that stuff. So, like, it's really difficult. Um, But I, like, so so to answer your question, I would love if Patrick Kane came for the entertainment aspect. It's really nice when the playoffs come around to have the the NHL equivalent of a bucket getter. Somebody who's just going to score. You know, Panarin's a great player, but he, he... very passive sometimes. Mm-hmm. Kreider, we can't expect him to replicate the 52 goals he scored last year. But So it would be really nice if this team's going to push all in to go all in on you know, uh, on somebody who's just going to score goals and, and just be a pure goal scorer. You mentioned the defense. You know, your, your boy Foxy is as solid as ever. Mm-hmm. You know, not worried about him. The captain, on the other hand... It's been a it's been a little rough. Now he scored the last two nights. One was an empty netter. He actually got one past the goalie, uh, you know, against the Blackhawks. But rocket, yeah, unbelievable shot. But it, it's been a rough, rough season for him so far. How, how nervous are you about the defense as a whole, uh, especially you know Truba playing as many minutes as he has with the production that he's given up? So, concern to me was way more I'd say a month ago um just with the way Igor's playing like I don't think the defensemen have to be you know this this crazy shutdown like you know other teams are gonna get chances but if Igor's there to make the big save at the right time like you know that's a nice thing to fall back on but that being said like you know last year I I think you know they struggled a lot with Pittsburgh they didn't really struggle with Carolina Tampa was a different story um you know I don't know if they really have that intimidating blue line that other teams might have. You know, I, I don't think many players are scared to go up against the Rangers when it comes to like their defensemen. Um, you know, Lingren's obviously a beast back there. Troop is a beast back there. Keandre, I think, you know, had the potential this year to really break out. He's been a little slower, but maybe the last couple of games, he's going to start to flourish a little bit more. Um, you know, I think he probably had the highest expectations out of everyone coming to the season, just based on, you know, how he played last year and, his overall confidence and, you know, him being at the end of his entry level contract, you know, Foxy obviously is super solid back there, but he's not a scary guy to play against. I don't think when it comes to, you know, being an offensive guy in the Rangers zone, um, you know, Fox isn't going to lay you out or give you a hard time. He's just kind of, you know, smart. Well, back Truba there. to his credit, will do that stuff. Oh, for sure. 
for sure. But he, he wasn't doing it early on and he's only doing it now. It seems like when he has to, um, you know, I don't think he wants to be a guy that has to fight every night or put his body on the line every single night for all 82 games. Like, you know, he's going to do it when it's necessary, but it's a lot to ask when you have, you know, a, a long playoff run last year. And then, you know, a, a guy to do that every night this year. Like, I think Lingren's more of that guy that will do that. Mm-hmm. Um, just because that's more of Lingren's role. Like, you know, Truba does have that skill and offensive ability that he had in Winnipeg that he brought here, but you know, Lingren's never really been known to be much of an offensive guy. So I think Lingren's that guy who just puts his body on the line every night where, you know, Truba does have that scoring touch and quarterbacks power play too, and, and can add offensively when needed. Um, you know, obviously it hasn't resulted, um, I think early on, but the last two games, like you said, he was able to find uh, two goals, which is nice. And maybe that'll get his confidence going a little bit, but I think, you know, if they get one more, just like stay at home defenseman, um, you know, I think that'd be huge for them. I, I think, uh, you know, as far as blue lines go, they're definitely a top 10 team when it comes to being, um, I'd say defensively a top 10 team in the league, but you know, I, I don't know if they're really like a top five or, you know, t- top seven, even defensive team in the league right now. I'd actually have to check the stats on like what their goals against is as a team. Um, I know Igor is below a three, but I'm actually going to check really quick. I'm curious. The Rangers are sorry if I'm interrupting here. Oh, they actually, oh, no, they're, they're sixth. They're sixth right now. I'm wrong. So they they're they're allowing two point seven goals against per game, which is well, actually it, it, is that the result thought. of having a hot last uh, you know, Probably. seven days? Yeah, I mean, I would think so. They let up one right. goal against Chicago, like one goal against Colorado. So yeah, definitely a result of the last couple of days for sure. It had it had to even itself out, right? If you believe mm-hmm. in the team, you you believe that it's going to even itself out, but. You know, you, you mentioned the defenseman. So, like, is there any like we mentioned Patrick Kane because he's the name that's out there? Is there a defenseman out there potentially in the trade market where you know could be a realistic get for the Rangers that could take them to the next level? Oh, this is not this is not my cup of tea. I'm not like a free agent trade kind of guy. But you know, the name that everyone's talking about is Jacob Chikrin in, in Arizona. I don't know if he's a guy the Rangers want to target because I, I don't think they can afford him. But um. Yeah, that's, I, bad, so, that's a bad hockey team that's definitely looking to uh, sell parts to get future assets. So in oh, that yeah. sense, it's definitely a, a possibility. I, I definitely just don't want to sit here and lie, though, and tell you I know the free agents that are available, the deadline. Like, I, I ha- I'm i really a game-to-game kind of person. Like, my co-host Cody does all the, the you know, armchair GM or whatever you call it. Like, that's that's his cup of tea. He loves talking trades and free agents. In uh, fairness, I kind of did put you on the spot tonight. No, so you're good. You're good. So you're good. It's totally fine. I, I mean, I should know. I should be paying attention. I'm sure once, you know, February, March rolls around, I'll be having my eye on it a little bit. But I'm I'm not, uh, you know, I, I don't look too far ahead. Like, I'm a game-to-game, you know, how's the team looking kind of fan, I guess. I don't, I don't really know what the, the word would be. So right now, where would you where would you put the Rangers in the, um, in the Eastern uh, standings, right? So obviously, they've been on a crazy stretch. Who knows how much longer it will continue? You know, things generally level out. So where to you are they right now in terms of the top teams in the East? And which teams make you the most nervous in terms of, obviously, we're looking a little bit further down the line here, but like, you know, potential playoff series, which teams make you the most nervous? So this is a good question. I would say the Rangers are right around that fifth fifth and sixth spot in the East. Um, You know, I I definitely put Boston at the top. I think Boston has been... You know, unbelievable all season, both offensively and defensively and special teams. They've been incredible. Um, after Boston, 
I'd probably go with Toronto. Toronto's been super hot. I know we beat Toronto the other night, but you know, as far as consistency as a whole season, Toronto's been really good. Third, I I mean, I might have to go with the Devils. I mean, the Devils are on a you know a, a tough stretch right now, but I've watched them play a lot this year, and and they are scary, man. Like they're fun, they're good, they're fast, they're skilled, their goaltending's been great. They're good. I, like right now, they're a better team than the Rangers. Like, like right right now, like not on paper, not on paper. In a playoff series, I might take the Rangers over the Devils, but like where we are right now in the season, if the Rangers are playing the Devils, like I'm still not too confident. Um, you know, obviously last week was a different result, but still they weren't really the better team, I didn't think. Um, so fourth, fourth, I might have to go with the Canes. Um, I don't think we, I don't think the Rangers have played Carolina yet. So we haven't had that benchmark against them. Um, I don't know when that first meeting would be, unless I'm blind. Have they played the Have they played the Hurricanes yet? I don't think they have. Um, and then I put the Rangers right after Carolina at fifth. Do the Islanders make you at all nervous? Um, Sorokin's been kind of struggling lately, but when he's on his game, he's definitely one of the better goalies in the league. They seem to be the Rangers' kryptonite. I don't know what it is about them. Um, they don't make me nervous as a, as like a whole, but whenever they play the Rangers, for some reason. I think Igor has like one win in his career or two wins in his career against the Islanders. So, um, you know, there's a big game coming on Thursday against the Islanders. And, you know, I think the last game, the Rangers blew a lead in the third period, which we, we all kind of saw coming after their start in the third period. But, you know, I think that's a game the Rangers should win. And I think this Thursday they should win again with how both teams are playing right now. Um, so, you know, the Islanders don't make me that nervous. But when Sorokin's on his game, like, you know, he's not as good, but right there with with Igor. So what's one thing, and we'll let you go on this, what's one thing you want to see going forward? Obviously, you want the Rangers to win every game. It's not yeah. realistic. But what's one trend you want to see continue that will help them sustain success you know, throughout the rest of the year? Um, I, I really do think it's, and I, I don't want to sound like a broken record, but giving the you know, Kako Lafreniere, Hedl, giving them some more ice time. I, I just think it it just gives the team more depth. Like, listen, Chris Kreider to me is not a third-line player. Like, he's easily a top-six player. But having him on the third line just kind of makes the team a better team and a scarier team. Like, you know, I think we've seen that Mika can play with Panarin and Goudreau and, you know, whatever the first-line combination may be. Or even having, you know, Kako and Lafreniere with Mika. I think it just it just gives the kids more confidence, which overall gives the team more confidence. Um, you know, I think it's obvious that the team goes as Igor goes, but when it comes to the energy on the ice, like Lafreniere, Kako, and Hedl have brought that for now, you know, almost up to a year. So I think having them on the ice more and just having them feel like they're at their most confident, just kind of rip like ripple effect throughout the entire roster. Um, and I think that's been evident during this win streak. The one thing I, I, I want to see, I guess, throughout the rest of the year, besides for that, but is the, um, you know, we, we were very spoiled with Henrik Lundqvist for a long time, mm -hmm. right? And we kind of took him for granted and the brilliance for granted. And this may be just this season or going forward. Like you mentioned that the, that the defensemen don't have to be as like on point because he's so great back there. We want to ease the burden on him a little bit. Where you know we're gonna support him a little bit more than than Hank was supported throughout all those years, and mm -hmm. you know that's the one thing I would just be looking at because obviously 
as we mentioned, he started off a little bit slower. He's been dynamite since. The record is still really, really good despite the the statistics coming back to, you know, closer to what last year is. But we just got to be cognizant of the fact that he can't be all world all the time. Yeah. <laughs> and he just needs support. Yeah. And I think that's, uh, you know, kind of what was expected of him going to the season was to be that like all world guy, which, you know, if if he played last year, like he started this year, like that team's not making the playoffs last year. You know, and, and I think that's kind of what the concern is right now is like if Igor's not at his best, like what is this team really? You know, so, um, you know, to that point, yeah, I think he definitely needs more support than Henrik did. But I think, you know, this team might be better than any of the teams Lundqvist had. Like, you know, Lundqvist didn't have a Panarin or, you know, a Norris Trophy winning defenseman. Like, you know, Kreider scoring 52 goals. Like this team, I think, has more top to bottom talent than almost any of those Lundqvist teams had. Yeah, it's going to be uh, – they're a fun watch, though, especially the last you know two weeks. They've become a really, really fun watch, and we hope that continues. John, before I let you go, tell everybody else where you where they can find all your stuff, all your myriad of different things go, you got going on. Uh, Twitter is just my baby. You can just follow me on Twitter, jlazzy23. I post everything there. Um, and then, obviously, our show, The Blue Crew Pod. Uh, with Excellent, Frankel. by the way. One of the best Thank Ranger you. podcasts out there. Appreciate that. Um, but yeah, thank you, Aaron, as always, for having me. It's always fun catching up with you, and I appreciate the flexibility. I know we've been trying to set this up for a while. You got any time I hope to get you back on soon, you know, later on in the year, you know, closer to playoff time. We'll have to uh, chop it up again. Appreciate the time. We'll speak soon, brother. Thanks so much. For sure. Thank you. Long Island represent. Thanks again to recurring guest Johnny Lazarus. Shout out to him for coming on, talking about the Rangers, giving me some time. He's a very busy guy. Took a while to schedule, but I think it was worth it. That's episode 189. Oh, I forgot to mention it in the monologue. I even forgot to mention it in last week's episode. But I'm working with this awesome company called the Mojo App. A little personal news to close the show. Mojo App. It's basically day trading, except instead of trading stocks or commodities, you're trading professional athletes. Really cool concept. I think a lot of my listeners are going to like it. If you want to get involved, especially if you're in New Jersey, reach out to me. You know where to find me. Anyway, a little personal news to close the show. That's episode 189 for the love of the game. Take us out. Off the AP, yeah. Flying on the water like a jet ski, yeah. I'm trying to fuck you and your bestie, yeah. Test me, yeah. Rick Flood, drip, go woo on a bitch. 5790, spent the coupe on my wrist. Multi million dollar, I'm a fool with the hits. Hop up in the lemon, drop the roof, show the tits. Going to the jeweler, bust the AP, yeah. Sliding on the water like a jet ski, yeah. I'm trying to fuck you and your bestie, yeah. Drop it with this girl, so do not test me, yeah. Rick Flood, drip, go woo on a bitch. 5790, spent the coupe on my wrist. Multi million dollar, I'm a fool with the hits. Hop up in the lemon, drop the roof, show the tits. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.